This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We are in Exodus chapter 12 and we are in preparation for the final calamity, the final disaster that's going to befall Egypt. It is the disaster that befalls all all persons. It is the death, the crossing over, and the physical death. I say this all the time, and I think I need to say it over and over again because it is important. Physical death is death is the natural end of the physical life. It is the way it is supposed to be. We're supposed to, in order to have the fullness of the spiritual life, in order to understand the fullness of what it means to be born again, to be born of spirit, it is important that we face the first death. Now, the second death is spiritual death, which is separation from God. And not all will face the second death, only those who are not born again, only those who are not redeemed, only those who are not delivered. And as far as all the calamities that happened in Egypt, as far as all the things that took place in the land of Egypt, in regard to uh, God delivering his people out of the land of Egypt, as far as any of them are concerned, the children of Israel never prepared for a single one of them, never had to deal with what was taking place in the land of Egypt. They were in their own little uh, enclave, their own little section of the world that was separated from the Egyptians. It, they didn't have darkness. They didn't have frogs. They didn't have the uh, the water turning to blood. Uh, they had. They did not have to deal with the issues that the Egyptians dealt with. They didn't have to deal with the calamity and God's judgment of sin on them. They were separated. They were, in essence, really, the best way for me to say it is they were different. And understanding that and knowing that God made them different and that he set them apart is important. That being said, for this one event, they had to make preparation for it. And because it is the event that symbolizes what every human being, every person will face. It is the thing that at the heart of man most fears, and that is the end to their physical life. That is God bringing about the end to their physical life. Now, you need to understand this. God has numbered your days past which you cannot go. The Bible clearly tells us that. And God speaking to Job, he says, I've numbered your days past which you cannot go. He says, it's appointed unto man wants to die and then to be judged or the judgment. And if you're in the judgment, if you're in the great white throne judgment, you're being judged for uh, your rejection of Jesus Christ, for your lack of faith. And if you're in the Bema seat judgment, your judgment is not based off of that which you did as far as sin in the world, but that, that you're being judged by your acts of faith and you're being rewarded for those things you did because you trusted God. And you say, what all is that? 
I don't know. I don't know what's God telling you to do. What's God showing you? How is God working in your life? You're not going to be judged based on the standard for me. I can't tell you that. I can tell you this, that God demands of you that you trust him, that the only way for you to please him is to trust him. And whatever that is that God is asking you to do with your life, wherever he wants you to go, however he wants you to act, whoever he wants you to invest in, however that works out, God is going to reward you for trusting him and acting in faith in the world that you live in. And each one of us have our own path to walk as far as that's concerned. God's ordered the steps of the righteous, but each one of us have unique steps. And whatever God has for you to do each and every day as you walk with him, he's going to reward you for that. He wants us to see the greatness of what it means to walk by faith with him. And he desires that for you. And that Bema seat judgment is going to be the judgment in which God gives you. He gives you reward for trusting him. And so you've got those dichotomies going on. But everyone faces the first death, which leads to those judgments. Everybody does. And it is, it's sweet to the Lord, the death of his saints. The death of his saints is, well, now you're perfectly in communion with God. You shed this body of death. Who can separate me from this body of death? That's what the Apostle Paul says. God can. He can separate you from this body of death and give you a new body uh, that is perfect, that does not always crave sin and always crave uh, separation from God. We're going to have those things, and those things are the promise of God. And when the last judgment or calamity comes on Egypt, which is the last judgment and calamity that comes on all of us. When the last calamity of death shows up, the Israelites have to make preparation for it, just the the Egyptians do. Believers have to make preparation for it, just like the world does. God, now, the world doesn't make very good preparation because all they do is prepare for the wrath and judgment of God. But for those who hear God's voice, and at whatever level God reveals himself to them, and they turn and chase after him, for who do that? Now, remember, you for those who are five talents, you're judged more strictly than those who are one talent people. That there's just there's all kinds of factors that go into play with this. And what matters the most is when you hear God's voice, turn, repent, be converted, change, seek after him, hear his voice and turn and go for him, go toward him. If we do that, if we do that, then we are preparing for that day when we'll when we'll be separated from these these horribly flawed bodies and we will be before him the bible says to be dead in the body is to be present with the lord and no wonder god likes us to be separated from our bodies and and to face death and paul says he longed for death but he said he said that to live is christ to die is gain so to live today is to be totally dedicated to trusting in our redeemer uh, our Savior, our Lord, and to die, that would be great gain. And so understanding those things and intrinsically taking them in, just bringing them into your heart and your mind, understanding that that death is not the end of all things. Death is really the beginning of the understanding of all things. It's the beginning of a complete and uninhibited relationship with God, a complete uninhibited relationship with each other. You'll be known even as you're fully known. And what's so cool about that is we won't judge each other by our own flawed views of the world. When we're in heaven, we'll know even as we're fully known. And all the grace and the mercy that God has provided for us, we'll provide for each other. We'll overlook 
the wrongs done. We'll, we'll understand the pain that caused all the issues of our lives. And we will give grace as our, as our Heavenly Father, as our Redeemer gives us grace. We're going to do all those things. We've got to prepare for it. Just the world has to face it. We have to face it also. And so this file of calamity is a calamity that has to be faced by everyone. Everyone's got to deal with it. Every, everyone's got to walk in it. Everyone's got to be a person who, everyone's got to be a person who walks in their lives and is changed and, and is, is made new by it. And so it says, now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt saying, this month shall be the beginning of months, meaning we're starting over. And isn't that what redemption really is? It's a starting over. And, uh, and so many people who deride uh, Christianity, who would attack Christianity, so many people who do that. The truth is, they say it seeks out people who are weak and who are struggling. I guess that would be an appropriate way to look at it. Yeah, Christ usually comes at your lowest moment. He usually comes when you realize that you're at the end of yourself and you need him. That's true, because when you walk in pride, when you walk in your own strength, when you walk with your own purpose, it's hard to hear the Spirit of God. In fact, most of the time we don't hear the Spirit of God. So sure, God brings you to a place where you will hear him. That's not a bad thing. That is a loving thing. That is a good thing. That's God taking care of his children. That's God walking with us through life. And when God shows up, it is the beginning of new things. God is the God of new beginnings. God's the God of second chances. And so every time God shows up, it's a new day. Every day is a new day for him. Every day is a new opportunity to serve him, a new opportunity to see him, a new opportunity to experience the goodness of God that is all around us all the time. And so understanding that is very powerful. He says, this month shall be the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of, year, of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel. I love that he calls them a congregation. They're not the people. They're the congregation. They're, the, they're his people. They're his people who come together to meet with him. He says, saying, on the 10th of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. Notice, I love it that it's not just one land for them. It's a lamb for every household. God is intimately involved with each and every one of them. He's intimately at work with each and every one of them. And it's very personal. It's very personal for each family. He says, and if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of persons. Notice Okay, you say, we don't need a whole lamb. It's going to be a waste. This food's going to be wasted. Join together. There's always fellowship in the kingdom of God. There's always taking care of it. And I'll say this about our church. For a young church, a church that's just now attaining to the, the old age of three years old, we'll be three years old in the fall, a church of our age, we really do take care of each other. We really do. And what I love about it is there's love and there's concern and there's caring for others. And you'll see it from the pastors. You'll see it from the elders. You see it from the leadership of the church, but you see it from everyone in the church. It permeates the building. It permeates the people. We have a church that genuinely cares about people who come in. And if you're a visitor, I'm going to tell you, a lot, most visitors, you can't leave that building without being, without being talked to, without being reached out to, without someone loving on you. And uh, that's what the Passover lamb's about. 
It's about a fellowship that was broken, a relationship that was broken, and now a relationship that was made, that's been made new again, a relationship that has been made right again. And they take that Passover lamb. And if the household's too small, they get together with someone else. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from sheep or from goat, from the goats. Notice that the lamb is without blemish, and that's important. And not only is it important that it's without blemish, but it's going to be important that they watch the lamb to make sure it didn't. And this is the process by which when Jesus came in on Palm Sunday and took over the temple, that they watched him. They watched him the number of requisite number of days to make sure he was out without blemish. And by the way, that's why they questioned him. And that's why they sent people to test him and to see if he met the standard. And when they realized he met the standard, they killed him as they had every Passover lamb before. He says, your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And notice the, the angel of death is going to pass through Egypt. It's going to pass through both the Egyptian neighborhoods and the Israelite neighborhoods. It's going to be in the palace. It's going to be in Goshen. It's going to pass through everywhere. And that's true of death everywhere. Death, death is, is coming. He is, the angel of death is going to reap and going to harvest men. That is the way it has always been. And, and we're out there harvesting souls. We're out there working. And as the angel of death comes and takes from men, God, God brings them before him and he judges them. And that's just the way it's been and the way it's always going to be. Now you shall keep it until the fourth day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation shall kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the house where they eat it. Notice that the blood of the lamb is spread on the doorpost of where the fellowship is had. The doorpost is stained with blood, and inside is fellowship. Remember, eating is a picture of fellowship. Eating the Passover lamb is a picture of eating God's word. And notice, they don't sacrifice the lamb and not get a chance to eat from him. Jesus was sacrificed not as a symbol Jesus is sacrificed as preparation for us. We eat from him. He's the bread of life. He's the lamb of God. And from this moment on, when they bring their sacrifices, they don't bring their sacrifices and it get all burned up. They bring their sacrifices and they get to fellowship with God and they get to eat with him. They get to fellowship with God and they get to know him. And the priests bring out the fine china, the gold and the silver plates, and the sacrifices are made. The, the lambs are, are burnt and cooked, and then they are eaten by the priest and the people. And all of it's eaten or all of it's burned. And it says they shall take some of the blood and put it on the doorpost. It says, then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Notice, they eat the lamb. They eat the unleavened bread, leaven meaning without sin. And Jesus is the unleavened bread. He's the bread without sin. And they'll eat the bitter herbs, which remind them of their labors in Egypt, which remind them of the pain and the suffering of sin that plagues us in our lives. 
And so this is a meal of remembrance, a meal of remembrance of the struggles that they've had, a meal of haste and preparation for the good times to come. They eat of the word of God and they eat of the flesh of the, of the lamb and they eat it all because God has given it all to them. He says, do not eat it raw nor boiled with all, at all with water, but roasted in the fire. The fire is the Holy Spirit, its head with its legs and its entrails. You shall let none of it remain until morning. And what remains of it until morning, you shall burn with the fire. Jesus said, I have a baptism to undergo, a baptism of fire. And this is the picture of it. It's the picture of the fire baptism of him hanging on a tree and facing death for us. Not physical death, not just physical death, but he faced spiritual death. He said, my God, why have thou forsaken me? The Bible says that God made him sin. He placed on him the sin of the whole world. And he was not only physically dying, but he was also spiritually dying. And he was separated from the Father. And they ate of that. They ate of the bitterness of sin. They ate of the goodness of the unleavened bread, the goodness of the revelation of God through his word. And they ate of Jesus himself. And thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, meaning they ate it prepared to go to work. They made it prepared to take their journey, their walk with God, to go and meet with him and to know him. And that is what this is about. Remember, Jesus didn't die on the cross to keep us from going to hell. Jesus died on the cross that we might walk with him and that we might know him. And so they had their belts on, they had their sandals on, they had their staff in their hand, and when they turned to him, when they experience that conversion experience, it's not an experience so that you can check it off and say you're good to go for eternity. It's an experience that it, that causes a person to have a life change and causes a person to begin to walk with God. And so it says, so you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover and God passes over them and they don't experience the second death. Egypt prepares for death. Believers prepares for life that comes after death. And so I pray that'll be the case for you. I pray that as you see this, as we've as we've gone through God's instruction to Moses as to how the people are to deal with death, I pray that you'll see it in a new and different way today. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.